Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is Joshua Kahn with the news. Yes, listeners, you heard me right. I'm finally out of the coma. I would thank you all for the cards and flowers, however, I never got any. CM was supposed to make an announcement, but was too excited for more airtime. Oh, uh, right. News. Uh, let's don't, uh, don't deep throat scissors. What happened while I was gone? You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, CM Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. What up, constant readers? And today we are finishing our coverage of The Dead Zone by watching the movie. And again, this was picked by our patron, Jared Hazelwood, as part of our Patreon selection series. And we have Josh leading our discussion. I sure am. And what a fun episode this is going to be. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have a complicated relationship with this movie. I can feel it brewing already. First things first, I want to know what you guys thought about skipping the first, I don't know, 15 chapters of the book in the movie. <laughs> Because this movie starts off basically jumping to the date and the night of the accident. I think it was fine. It definitely would have made the movie longer, which I don't think I would have Mm. wanted. It made sense to me. It just sped up the story. The whole movie is very streamlined. It's one of those where they really rode the line between sticking to being faithful to the book and like diverting as needed. I didn't mind the beginning because if the first half hour of this movie (laughs) took place in a carnival, it would have been interminable, I think. This movie is already, what, an hour and 40 minutes? It's very long. It it feels longer. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, hour and 40 minutes is not that long for a movie. (laughs) It It does feel uh, every minute of its length. Can we, before we get into the movie itself, can we just talk about who directed it? Yeah. Go ahead. Cronenberg. But <laughs> I like Cronenberg, and mm-hmm. I, if I saw The Dead Zone, it was when I was too young to remember any of it. I don't think I've seen it, so this is my first time. Mm. And I expected something cooler, and, and this was just a, more of a straightforward adaptation. I was a little bit disappointed by that. I mm. wanted his signature on it and we've talked about this a few times with adaptations is it okay to change some things and if you have a specific style because you have chosen that director yes a huge part of me wants to see their take on something so Mm -hmm. i will forgive them a lot of changes because i want to see what they do with it and i didn't see that with this and so i was like oh man i I would have appreciated that completely agree My, like, big thought going into this, because I have seen this movie before, but I had no idea it was directed by David Cronenberg. And going into this, my big thought was, like, of all the King movies that Cronenberg could have directed, (laughs) why the hell The Dead Zone? It's a very weird choice. It is. It's so Mm un-Cronenberg. There is so little horror and no body horror (laughs) there's no one that turns into a big gross monster and it was perfectly well directed Mm -hmm. 
we talked about this with Christine, and I think we talked about it with a patron member. I don't know if it was on mic. I would have loved to see him, even though I loved the Carpenter version of Christine, mm-hmm. I would have loved to see him tackle something like Christine because there's a lot mm-hmm. of, oh my, he would have made Christine really Arnie's girl in a terrible way. Yeah, we, we definitely <laughs> discussed it during the Christine okay. episode that like if John Carpenter and Cronenberg had switched movies. Yeah, yeah. I think they both would have, although Carpenter on Dead Zone, I think also would have been a little bit of a waste. Dead Zone's just not an exciting story. Carpenter would have given it a good atmosphere, though, Mm -hmm. I think. that, And I feel, maybe that's it. I feel like this movie is missing a bit of atmosphere to it. It's so vanilla. And characterization. I I think Carpenter could have brought out, because that's one thing Christine has, like you you feel like Arn is definitely a character. And in this, even Christopher Walken, who obviously is Christopher Walken, so like, cool. Yeah. But as Johnny Smith, there, there are several points in the movie where Walken's acting style also does not really fit the character. He doesn't pull off, he pulls off a lot. Mm-hmm. I like him as an actor. He doesn't pull off goofy charm in the way that I saw for Johnny. Exactly. Early in the movie, there's a line where it's after he comes out of the coma and sees Sarah again oh, for the God, first time. That line hurt who me. They have no chemistry. Zero no, like, chemistry. Don't. It's like two brothers kissing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's this line where she says, you look really thin. And he says, uh, yeah, coma diet. You lose weight while you sleep. And it's supposed to be this like corny like throw off joke but it's christopher walken so he just (laughs) says it the way christopher walken would say it and it does not come across christopher walken is like uh, he's so good in everything where he's ah let's watch christopher walken be crazy well, he because he, he knows emoted, his brand. He emoted like the the sadness very well. Mm-hmm. He oh could tear yeah, up on he can. Cue. Yeah, he can get the drama in. Yeah, there there's just not. Yeah, silly enough. Johnny is not, yeah, silly uh, Johnny is not there. I did like the streamline of this. Instead of having years pass between everything, everything just happens to him within a matter of months post waking up. Because I feel like it really brings that call to action that we're supposed to feel in the book, Mm. it really brings that out because it's that specific timing. It had to be this timing or these events never would have unfolded this way as opposed to the book where it's, it spends so long meandering through the years. Yes. It didn't feel like it was rushed either. I I thought it was a good choice and it was executed Mm. really well. What'd you guys think of the visions? How they, the style, the direction, how they directed the visions? The, The coolest part in my opinion. I'm going to sound like such a hypocrite about this because I kind of wanted them to be a little more like the Needful Things visions. Oh my God, why? <laughs> no, just, well, because the movie was so boring. If the visions had had something we could either just make fun of or even be like, whoa, that's cool. They they were perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's all I'm going to say about this movie. Perfectly fine. <laughs> You hit on some <laughs> like almost exactly the wording that I thought of is they're they're fine, but they're not fun in some of the ways that like uh, the best movies that we've watched for the podcast are not great movies. 
but they're ones where they're so either over the top or just outright bad that we have something that it's like, you know, mm-hmm. that feeling of just watching a goofy movie with your friends. This doesn't have that. This is more of a like, I'm sitting at home and have a choice between Criterion Collection movies to watch. <laughs> like, it is yeah. slow and understated, and that's fine, but not super interesting to talk about. Yeah. Well, the, we talked about the book is a fantastic character piece. Mm-hmm. Translating a character piece into a movie and making it engaging the way that other Stephen King movies are engaging is just, Mm -hmm. it's a tall order. It really is. You almost needed someone to take more liberties with it. Mm -hmm. And and I understand why that might not have been something that a director or other people involved in production would want to do. Because people, including the people who wrote it, might not appreciate that. I'd I'd like to see a collaboration with King and a, a director to change it kind of significantly for film. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, I another thing we talked about in a previous episode, highly recommend you go check out the Dead Zone TV show because I thought about this throughout the movie because the movie even has this feeling that this is very episodic. Mm-hmm. It's a very episodic story where this happens and then this happens. And then this happens, and it's not really a cohesive thread. It's just throughout this guy the rest of his life. And I just feel that that fits so much better in an episodic format. For sure. Yeah. Do you guys think that it would be accurate to describe this as Cronenberg's Lifetime movie? <laughs> okay. What does that even mean? No, like, I totally... Network? Yeah, no, I totally get that. This... And I don't mean that offensively. I, no, I can't put my <laughs> my finger exactly on why, but this does have that feeling. Why? Because it's forgettable, but not bad. <laughs> and because the, the love the love story is lackluster <laughs> and just inserted to have a love story. You could recut that trailer and pretend like it's a love story, and I'd buy it. Ben's last comment at the end of the movie with what Sarah must be thinking would support that that trailer (laughs) yeah so as we've already said Sarah and Johnny have like no chemistry it follows the story where uh you know she's married obviously and they have sex uh in front of her kid and that happened, right? <laughs> I, He's I, asleep in another room. Yeah, jeez, you're so bored that you really had <laughs> to. Although, I, our one joke that we got out of this movie, because she unbuttons her sweater, but it's so just not even sexy at all, that we're like, oh, that's how you hug people. You just unbutton first. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be so tender, too. It's <laughs> not. Because Johnny, he's sitting on the floor. And she leans over, and the last thing before he left to get into the accident, she offered to take him to Pound Town, and he (laughs) respectfully declined and said some things are worth waiting for. Flash forward to this moment, they've just been playing with a baby for a while, Johnny's sitting on the floor amongst all of his childhood toys, and she comes over and just (laughs) repeats that line and says, I think we've waited long enough. And And it's supposed supposed to evoke something Mm -hmm. it it works so well in the book yes and it's such a cool line and if they had i feel like if they had chemistry 
would they would have pulled it off. Mm-hmm. But I, I imagine that right before they started rolling, these two actors were like, are, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say the thing and then, yeah. Okay. Just right, right. literally the second before the cameras roll, Christopher Walken turned to that woman and went, I killed Natalie Wood. And go. Oh, my (laughs) God. He didn't kill her, Ben. You don't know that. Um... My theory was that who was right, it, him or Warren Beatty was that who was on the boat? That, no, Robert Wagner was Robert Wagner, husband, ex-husband. Yes, okay. We spent so much time talking about this on the live stream. <laughs> Josh does not want to hear <laughs> I hate it. it so much. My impression was that right before they called action, their twenty uh, three and Me results came back, and they found out they were first cousins. Oh, <laughs> that's <it> just, perfect. <laughs> like wow. because that's the like yeah, we're cousins, but we didn't grow up together, <laughs> so it's still weird, but. More like 23 in me. Oh, oh no. Oh, my God. We're never going to get that sponsorship now. <laughs> Let's talk about the thing that we wish we had a million times more of. Uh, the Castle Rock Killer. Not the Castle Rock Scissorer, as I, CM pitched. He had scissors. It's not my fault. <laughs> How did you guys feel about the Frank Dodd Castle Rock storyline as portrayed in the movie? I thought that was done pretty well, too. I didn't mind it at all. And I would have even enjoyed if they had stretched that out as long mm-hmm. as the movie wasn't longer. <laughs> That's why it works so much more better as a series. Yeah. Because, like, this is a season arc mm-hmm. is catching the the Castle Rock Strangler. And I, I could like... Scissorer, Ben. <laughs> of course. I could like Bannerman because he mm-hmm. didn't... He wasn't a jerk. It, I he do was love, someone. Who was he? Oh, shoot. He was an alien? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't ben, remember his name. Ben, you were... You're supposed to be on IMDb, dude. And yeah. I was. <laughs> there, there was one accidental comedic moment, though, when... Jo- oh, I do like what they did. They do the whole thing with the cigarette pack. They're in, like, a tunnel, actually, not not in the office and Johnny can't get a read and Frank Dodd is like with them the whole way. And so then they get a call on the radio that there's another body. So he gets his read on this dead girl's body, which was a cool scene. And my favorite part of the movie, the thing that actually did was pulled off brilliantly had heart and emotion was when he touches her, he has the vision, he sees the killing and he comes out of it like is jolted out of it and Bannerman's like what what's going on what happened and he says it's like he's not with them in that present moment he keeps going I I saw him do it I saw him kill her and I didn't do anything I didn't stop it and he's so so upset that was brilliant that was very cool um when because we never really actually described the visions we talked about how we oh, felt, yeah. <laughs> but the way they're done is when he has a vision, he jolts, which actually, according to IMDb, is because directly off camera, David Cronenberg is fi- firing a magnum. <laughs> what uh, blanks? Obviously, sure, of course, way more exciting. <laughs> but yeah, uh, according to IMDb trivia, Christopher Walken came up the with the idea to make his flinches more realistic. That a uh, three fifty seven Magnum be fired nearby it to worked. startle him. They were so, realistic. Yeah, he yeah. very realistically jumps, and then he sees the vision. But the way they are filmed, it is as though he is there, which is cool. Which is such a cool visual. Oh, and I forgot the comedic moment. Then, of course, is because Frank has been there the whole time, and he's standing with his back to the gazebo <laughs> where they're at because he's keeping the crowd. And so you're like, 
is this dude going to go nuts like right in the middle of everything in front of everyone? And and he's like, it's Dad, it's Dad. And Bannerman turns and he's like, Frank? Nothing. And then the other guy goes, you just took off in your car, Sheriff. <laughs> we all lost it. The timing, it's... The timing is so good because it's this long scene, this Mm -hmm. long production where Johnny is like yelling. He yells, uh, she knew him like three dozen times, just over and over. (laughs) She knew him. That's my Christopher Walken, everybody. Dynamite work. She knew him. I don't know. It's not any better. Hey. Why did I do that? Where was I going with this? I completely lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So it, it's just like long drawn out thing of him like doing the reading and all these people, all the reporters are gathered around and Bannerman's like, what's going on? And all of this. And then finally, he's like, it's Dodd. It's Dodd. And there's that just perfect beat <laughs> before. Oh, yeah. He just ran off. It's <laughs> so fucking funny. It is perfect. Well, and it was really refreshing to skip the... No, it can't be Frank. You don't know Frank like I know mm-hmm. Frank. He's yes. like a son to me. Like I'm glad we got to just bypass any of that. The fact that it was punctuated with that <laughs> timing of a joke, which made it so great. Josh, can I ask you a question? Absolutely not. Okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> End of episode. Wow. Really shut me down. <laughs> I also liked what they did with Frank's mom. What did you think about that change? Oh, um, the I was disappointed they downgraded her bosom uh, to not <laughs> be ogreish because describing someone's bosom as ogreish for like ten minutes before <laughs> the scene, you were like, "They're coming up, <laughs> they're <laughs> coming <laughs> up, here they come." Oh, <laughs> uh, more like, more famous twins than in The Shining. We're like Josh. Oh. This is this, this movie's very quiet. We can't hear. <laughs> Over your audible drooling. <laughs> they get to the house. You see Frank naked in the window a little bit. Which was creepy. Yeah. Very, very creepy. And, and she's like, he's not home. And Johnny's like, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's inside. He's, he's up there watching us in full view. They storm past him and she grabs him and he gets that read on her. And the intensity... With when he says, you knew. I thought he was going to break her fingers. Yeah. The way he was holding her wrist, I, honest to God, thought he was mm-hmm. going to like snap her wrist or something. <laughs> and that was so intense. And uh, I really, really loved it. Christopher Walken is such a great cast because he has the lankiness. And mm-hmm. even though he's much more stone-faced and uh, looks like a scary statue man more than <laughs> I picture Johnny to. When he's doing having these visions, it his acting is really superb. Yeah. That scene when he loses it on the the guy whose son he's tutoring yeah. is the best. Oh, be- before we get to that, can we talk about Frank? Scissoring himself. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Take it away, CM. Scissor expert, CM. Okay. So they. (laughs) Is that canon? Yeah. Expert on on, on scissors. Uh, It goes all the way back to the dark half episodes. Just trying to make the (laughs) trying to make the connection in my brain. They rush upstairs. While this is happening, while they're arguing with his mom, we see Frank nude, grab his rain slicker, go into the bathroom. 
carefully set this these scissors, which God is what he used damn. to stab this girl, on like the sink. He props them up and opens them up, and then very calmly sits down and opens his mouth, puts his hands behind his head, and it's again, it's Cronenberg, so it's kind of like, oh, we're gonna see this. It's gonna be the worst thing I've ever seen, but we don't. But the aftermath of it is pretty grotesque and we all jumped like with disgust when so they bust in and they see him dead in the tub with the scissors sticking out of his mouth and there's blood everywhere and then he jerks like he's still alive he might be he might well yeah because how far did they go (laughs) i honestly thought because yet he's in this tub and like twitching with the you know last spasms of life and johnny like reaches in and grabs Dodd's gun. First of my first thought was you had a gun. Right. So much easier. Wait, wait, wait. So no. much less awful. That's not what happens. That's not what happens? No, because that confused me too. Because Josh, what I was asking you about what you thought about what they do with his mom, she oh, she's the one yeah, who's grabbing, grabbing the gun. The gun. I yeah, misunderstood. I did that. too. I thought so I thought that Johnny grabs the gun because it is not clear like it's not a wide shot so he mm. wasn't even sure where the gun was and a hand just reaches and grabs it and then his mom shows up as johnny's coming down the stairs way the house is set up she's like on the other end of the stairwell mm-hmm. and it's her she has the gun so that totally surprised me because i'm like wait he doesn't have the gun and she that, shoots at him that makes so much more sense yeah. because i thought he was grabbing the gun from somewhere and was just gonna <laughs> like, shoot frank again <laughs> like so to too. put him out of his misery yeah. <laughs> But then, yeah, his his mom jumps out and shoots Johnny in the shoulder or the or leg, in the stomach, like stomach. across oh, the right in the side. Him? Yeah, she okay, hits him. And then he, he talks to Sam and he's like, "Yeah, it went through and through." It's okay. Fine. And then Bannerman shoots her in the stomach, killing her instantly. <laughs> yep, gunshot wound to the stomach. Yeah, that drops her. And- gunshot, the most deadly <laughs> place on the body. Uh man. Dodd twitching though that mm-hmm. yeah fucked me up. Let's jump to the and? his <laughs> his time as the way they did the private tutor mm. thing. He he moves out of state, buys a for some reason a three story house Puts despite the fact that he can't walk on the top story. Yes, <laughs> and uh, this rich guy comes and he says, "Hey, come tutor my kid because he's smart but real dumb." I guess was his pitch. <laughs> And drove him out there, and he instantly becomes friends with this small child. The child that I don't think can control the volume of his voice. Because every other line this, is, so I was, oh! <laughs> this I, is your whole child actor thing. Yeah, yeah I fucking that. hate child I actors. I wondered if he was dubbed for a minute. It didn't sound like his voice, but the, it, it would have been a really good dubbing if it was. <laughs> it was, he has, the voice this actor has as a child is just looking at him, what came out was not what I anticipated. I didn't think <laughs> Normal that much. No, I, All right. I honestly was kind of tuning out around this point. I keep going back and forth because they, they younged him down and simplified. <laughs> As they say, that in the movie st- industry. <laughs> simplified that story. <laughs> it's movie. The script just isn't working. What's wrong? Young him down. <laughs> what? But I, I liked the character of Chuck so much the, yeah. the teenager yes and i thought that was a cool dynamic it made johnny it, it also made johnny more 
human, I think, to us Mm -hmm. as the readers. And so maybe, too, that's part of the problem with this movie. Johnny doesn't really seem like a character. And part of his growth was that relationship with Chuck Mm -hmm. and his father. Yeah. Well, the thing that I like is when he shows up to tutor him, that's when we find out that his dad is a supporter of Stilson's. And that's when they first meet in cross paths. Mm-hmm. And when he reaches for the handshake, instead of getting a handshake, he gets a button put in his hand. I thought that was real clever. That's a really, really fun thing they do throughout the movie mm-hmm. that we were watching, of course, with your husband, Devin CM. And he pointed out that when they are first meet Frank Dodd, they shake hands and it's the middle of winter and they he's wearing like thick yeah. snow gloves <laughs> And I hadn't even like thought of that. It's mm-hmm. a really clever way to keep them from him from knowing, knowing right away. early. Yeah. And yeah, when he slaps <laughs> the big button in his hand, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." <laughs> Greg, played by Martin Sheen, pretty awesome. He is by far the does the best acting in mm-hmm. this entire movie. It's Martin Sheen. Uh, he's fantastic in everything. Let's start. Okay, what were your thoughts on Stilson and Sonny? Because you never see them separate. They are no, they, <laughs> attached at the hip. I really like their dynamic. They seem like a good team. It's weird. <laughs> and Sonny has, he has some good lines. He's very understated comedy the whole time. Okay, this is a stretch. But when, and also I'm jumping ahead to the point where Johnny finally shakes hands with Stilson mm-hmm. and we get the vision of the future. And uh, Stilson in what is supposed to be the White House. Oh, no, I think it's supposed to be Camp David. Camp David, yeah. And, like, arming the button and firing off nukes. After he intimidates this uh, general into arming the nukes, he fires them. And then he turns to, what's his name? Sonny. Sonny. And Sonny, like, does this motion. Like, it's supposed to be this, like, congratulations but it's such an intimate gesture these <laughs> yeah. two make towards each other. Yeah. I was like, there's something here, right? There were some romantic undertones between Thank them. you. But okay. Oh, you know what it is? Christopher Walken, and I apologize, I don't know the actress's name, had no chemistry. So we were just <laughs> desperate for chemistry. And the only two actors who had it are these two. Absolutely, you're right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm I'm into that love story. I really liked the intimidation scene. I, the vision scene yeah. in the future is great. I love the intimidating the reporter scene in private. It's so laid back. And that's my favorite kind of evil is the quiet, you know, I've got this, the solution. Everything's going to fall my way no matter how you, you play it. Kind of evil. That's mm-hmm. my jam. I don't like the how cartoonishly evil the nuke scene is. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that also is, you're clearly supposed to know that Stilson has full on lost his mind mm-hmm. and that this is not like, this is just madness. But so I really like that they gave him that the both ranges, the serious diabolical villain, that this is how he's risen to power and then seeing the monster he can become. What did you guys feel about having Sarah work there? The insert, the insert, shoving Sarah into the Stilson storyline so aggressively. I felt really gross about it because her and her husband are campaigning for him. It's like, 
Oh, she has a Stilson button on her. It's just gross. But the way it pays off, I, I liked it. Very mm-hmm. good. Very cool idea. Nice way to keep her in the story more than she is in the book. It, it's something actually, as we were reading the book, I'd forgotten wasn't a part of the book <laughs> yeah. because it makes so much more sense. Not like in a real world sense, but in a storytelling sense. It's to more... bring her into the final, it makes it feel more connected to the rest of the book. It, whereas in the book, it's kind of like a jarring, oh, this is what the book is about now. <laughs> and uh, rereading it, I thought like when the kid at the end turns out to just be some random kid, I'm like, Sarah has a kid. Yeah. And her husband supports this guy. Why isn't it Sarah and her kid? I want to jump back before we... Uh, I wanted to get to something and I realized we need to go back a little bit. Let's talk about the the hockey vision. Oh, the, yeah. the process mm. of that whole thing. So he's been tutoring this kid and is it when they're embracing that he gets the, yeah, the oh. weird the weird long embrace? Oh, oh yeah. So someone comes knocking on Johnny's door while he's in the middle of tutoring little Chuck and it it's a dude and he seems very nice but he's campaigning for Stilson. He's like, oh, have you heard the news? Blah, blah, blah. And then who comes rushing up the steps with him? It's Sarah. So we discover that this is Walt, her husband. And so they have a very awkward introduction. <laughs> and afterwards johnny closes the door and he's clearly extremely upset And right before that they're reading edgar Allan poe and so mm-hmm. it's like very connected and he starts crying into the wall and chuck's like are you okay and he embraces him it's like his only comfort it's great and then it's the kid the look on <laughs> the kid's face yeah. is hysterical because the kid is like i was just wondering why you were crying <laughs> and now an adult man is uh, <laughs> It's and he didn't even have time to unbutton his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be uncomfortable. <laughs> so then, of course, they're embracing and Johnny gets a vision of Chuck and a few other kids falling, like in hockey gear, falling below the ice and drowning. Because up until then, we'd been wondering, they've gone to lengths to show show every vision that was in the book, which makes sense because those are arguably the most interesting things that happen in the book. Mm-hmm. They're like the only action set pieces, but he, he wasn't old enough for graduate. a graduation <laughs> yeah. party. Yeah. So that whole, we didn't get a scene with a salesman trying to sell lightning rods. What a and, loss. <laughs> and, and, we, and we didn't get Johnny's humble beginnings of being hit with a hockey stick. Right. So I like that they tied that in. Oh, that I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That is pretty great. It was a nice little Easter egg. Yeah. I was wondering if, if they were going to do it and how they were going to do it. And with it being the falling through the ice you know, he shows up, has that great yelling scene, smashes the crystal decanter yeah. or whatever with his it's cane. so Fucking great. Cool. The dad is like arguing, being like, this is crazy. Obviously, you're crazy. And the way he gets their attention is just like out of nowhere, just absolutely demolishes this glass vase and screams in the most Christopher Walken way possible. <laughs> it rules. Yeah. And he finally says, fine, we won't go. And then he touches Chuck and he sees presumably a future where he's not drowned. Mm -hmm. And we were all looking at each other like, well, the whole point is that it it still happens and they can prove it. What the fuck are they going to do? 
And then that next scene, his dad comes and he's like, all right, let's get going. I just told him no, so he'd fuck off. Let's go play some hockey and kill your friends. I thought that was a really clever way to do it in the movie. Of course, like I prefer, I'm not knocking the movie for doing it. I just love in the book that it's that relationship with the dad and they believe him and they support him. Doing it that way in the movie was neat. And then I like how they turned that into the dead zone because we hadn't heard anything about the dead zone. It was more the, the physical therapy that he was going through. We didn't really get any of the the brain stuff or yeah. any problems with that. Now, am I following it correctly that in the book, Dead Zone is just he can't come up with the right words. Yeah, he it's can't like name it. He can't access. Yeah. yeah. But in this, the claim is that the Dead Zone marks that he can change the future. So he see he's talking to Dr. Wyzak about his vision. And he says that there was something missing, something he couldn't see. It's like it was a dead zone. And then he goes on to explain that they didn't go. And he, you know, when he touched him, everything was fine. And so Dr. Wyzak is the one who says, oh, like he posits that the dead zone means that he can control, he can change the future. So because there's something that's missing, it's it's an unknown element that can be manipulated. Hmm. Here's what I hate about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's that... The description of what the dead zone is can be only really explained via dialogue Mm -hmm. because he says something was missing from that vision. We all watched that vision together on the screen. What was missing? Couldn't tell. Right. Like there's, yeah, how. They needed a visual representation of the dead zone. Like when he has the vision of Stilson and it's seen through something, we find out later it's, it's the little kid's jacket. We needed just something to, because all the other visions were very straightforward. There's nothing mm. wacky about them, nothing obscuring anything or no like effects. We needed something. There. Even if it was, mm. even if it was the start of the vision is you see Chuck skating on the ice and then there's a weird transition suddenly fully below sinking to the bottom. That shows me there's a, a dead zone of time in the vision, but to show just the, whole thing without any visual indication that something's missing it just it didn't translate for me and i wonder if people who've seen the movie but haven't read the book if that would make any if how they currently have it would make any sense because we we know what the dead zone is so we can extrapolate Mm -hmm. a lot of different things from it but for them all of a sudden to be like oh this dead zone and we also didn't see it i feel like that would be even more like not even confusing, just completely forgettable. Like, okay. Yeah. If we had not read the book and watched the movie first, we all, when that moment came up, we all would have been like, that's the name of the thing. Yeah. yeah. Like that would have like been the Like they were shoehorning it in. I assume <laughs> that must be how people that haven't read the book feel because on IMDb's trivia page, there is an entry that says the movie never explains what the <laughs> name Dead Zone means. And <laughs> when I, that came up, I was like, well, they said it. But yeah, they're kind of right. They don't (laughs) explain it very well. I think that's the biggest miss because everything Mm. else kind of it it hit on all the beats. Mm -hmm. Maybe it didn't do them like in a super interesting way that I would have enjoyed, but it hit them. And that was just so understated. Yeah, that would be my biggest complaint, I think. All right, let's bring bring it all the way to the end and talk about town hall. The the town hall moment in the book. We know that this push is because he's dying, which is something that's of of all the things that are left on the cutting room floor. That's one of the oh, things. No, we get that. 
Wyzak tells him it's not, again, it's similar to the dead zone. If you like blink or sneeze, you miss it. <laughs> it's a hypothesis. Yeah, it's, it's not not given any importance or meaning. Right. It'd be so like if he examined him or, or Johnny's headaches at the very, very beginning, he has uh, one weird headache on a roller coaster Mm-hmm. that nobody else is on, which was also just very weird. But well, that would be confusing for viewers who haven't read the book too, because to us that says, oh yeah, this is a thing that he, that is already a part of him, but mm-hmm. it's completely pointless for the movie as is. But if we, as we've often argued that if we treat movies as uh, their own level of the tower, that this story doesn't exist in the same way the book story exists because it's a different level. Mm-hmm. Sure. What is the point of the headache? Well, that's that's because what I mean. There, that's... Well, because there's no you have like that's something only related to the book because of the head trauma that we miss. So I'm just not sure what you get out of having. You don't get that. I mean, that. Sorry, maybe yeah. I phrased that weird. That's exactly what I was just saying. Yeah, it's meaningless. They could have just cut that out because. Yeah. yeah okay, I misunderstood. That's my oh, fault. Sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> I I got it. So instead, he's just decided that it's it needs to happen now i'm assuming before he loses his nerve uh and he knows we have the the same would you kill hitler conversation mm-hmm. and decides that he just has to do it his decision to try to assassinate greg stilson i agree with what josh said earlier that shortening the time span of the events of the movie does make it feel like it flows a little bit more, but it also makes his decision very sudden and rash. It is very Because rash. he literally asks Sam, <laughs> would you kill Hitler? And Sam's like, yeah. And then it cuts to his dad's house as he pulls a rifle out. Like, it is, he's like, yeah, let's go. All right. Well, and we don't have the thing with the police interrogation and the FBI, so mm-hmm. we're missing and we don't have him painstakingly like journaling everything, so we're missing that element of mania that he goes through mm-hmm. grappling with this decision but I think the way it's done, I don't know I, I see what you guys are saying, but I think it serves the story better If, but we have to suspend our disbelief though that mm-hmm. what his vision showed, and maybe it's because it was a little more cartoonish like you mentioned Josh we lost some of the gravity of that, the drama of it. So it didn't feel as important or significant to the viewer. But if you, I feel like you would get there pretty quickly if you saw that, oh, this person is going to start World War Three. Sure. Fair. And obviously once he's president, there's Harder more security. To to, like, yeah. It, yeah, you're right. That does make more sense. We jump to him from him breaking in to waking up. holding the rifle in that (laughs) upper level as people are filing in and he starts to load the rifle and one bullet rolls down and i audibly gasped that was tense (laughs) so tense (laughs) to to no end (laughs) other than creating the sense of like yeah this could go bad Mm -hmm. and they're filing in and greg starts his speech and you can see johnny hyping himself up and the second he stands up, oh my God. fucking Sarah, Johnny. That made me so mad. Well, I mean, obviously she well, would say that because uh, he's got a gun. Also, way to call out your boy, though. Come on. <laughs> the love yeah. of your life. 
Yeah, you unbuttoned your sweater to hug him. Like, give him a pass. Assume he knows what he's doing. Maybe ask him what's going on before he... (laughs) I initially, I was like, oh, he's going to use Sarah. Stilton's going to use Sarah as a human body shield. And then she's got her baby right there, which you wouldn't have your baby on stage at a a rally like that. (laughs) That seems very irresponsible. Because he was crying, and that's what Mm. kids would do. So, yeah, as soon as I so saw where the was kid, her husband? Was he even in I, the yeah, scene at all? He showed up later. He, oh, was the, he? he was at the end. Oh, okay. But I, as soon as I saw her with the baby, I was like, oh, he's going to use the baby as a sh- Her baby as a shield, which is what we were talking about earlier. Mm. Then. <laughs> he, uh, he pops up. She yells at him. He misses his one shot and it hits the podium and everybody tries to leave and Martin Sheen hurt that baby. <laughs> uh, that baby did great stunt work. And it just the, that fight over those. It, yeah. That whole end piece is so frantic and makes up for a lack of energy that pretty much the rest of the movie has. Because once that, that moment starts, it's as exciting as I feel like it, it really needed to be to hit home. Mm-hmm. And what did you guys think? He he grabs the baby. We see the photographer taking photos. Johnny gets shot and tumbles over the banister. And as Sonny is running, he grabs the photographer guy and lifts him up and shoves him ahead of him before he goes to check on Johnny. Sonny had a moment of growth. Well, because then he Craig's telling him to go after him. And he's like, I didn't see a photographer. Uh, see, that, here's what's happening. That does ruin the love story, though. So I, I was I just about that. to say, no, wait for it. What happened is he saw Greg rip the baby out of Sarah's hands and hold it up. And Sonny thought, he's not going to make a good dad. Oh. So he, he did it out of heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what it was. <sighs> so I, that's definitely actually how it was but it could also be that he saw where the chips were falling and Mm -hmm. wanted to detach himself that's also true because that fits with earlier when he's talking to the tutor dad whose character i just do not remember he asks why tutor dad supports greg stilson even though tutor dad says this guy's a dick don't vote for him and he says oh we have to wait and see you know if he's on the rise you got to be friends with him you got to make him think you're friends with him. Exactly. Because if he's not, he's, you got to walk that fine line. Because if he's not, he's the kind of guy who will take mm-hmm. you down with him. So yeah, I guess, I guess Chuck's dad gave us that motivation. character motivation yeah. for Sonny. Yeah. The second he saw the baby, uh, he was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a train I got to get off right now. Because I'm not in love with him anymore. <laughs> yep. Alternate theory. Sonny saw how dangerous political life could be to the love of his life. And saw that if he can end the political career, then Stilson won't be in danger anymore. Oh, that didn't work. Because <laughs> he, he, he walks away from him at the end. You just wanted to be part of the no, love he's, story he's thing. because he's going to find the guy. That, it, no? it doesn't matter because Stilson... <laughs> ben, oh, tell us about yeah. the final oh God, vision. That's an amazing vision. The final vision. vision is so good. It is so good because after the baby, you know, Sonny shoots Johnny and he falls out of the balcony and as he's dying almost word for word from the book stillson runs up who sent you what do you do who are you and johnny holds his hand and sees stillson looking disheveled in this like the way it's shot this mm-hmm. pitch black room there's not even any ba- 
ground. It is just a darkness. And you see Stilson, this table next to him with a gun. And he picks up the gun, and underneath the gun is a Time magazine that says, uh, with the picture of him holding the baby that says, uh, no future for Stilson. Mm. And he puts the gun under his chin, blows his head off. And Johnny dies going, it's over. And Sarah tells him how much she loves him for trying to shoot her baby. Okay, you know <laughs> Which is, from her perspective, all that's happened so far. Yeah, Ben, please explain that. Because I, you know, having the book in my mind, I completely <laughs> glossed over that as like, Oh, a tender moment with Sarah, but you're you're right. Exactly. <laughs> so we do see earlier that he writes the letter to Sarah saying this is going to be very hard for me to write. And like, you know, we know from the book that it's him explaining himself. But he sends it. She doesn't get that letter before this happens. That's the first thing he thinks about when he sees her, I bet. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> So she's going to think I'm jealous. (laughs) She runs up and like cradles him as he dies and is like, I love you. But from her perspective, all that has happened is she has been helping run a political rally across the street from her ex lover, (laughs) harassing him essentially. Yes. All she knows is. Oops, I drove this guy crazy, and now he's trying to kill this politician because I work for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God, that is a dark, dark thread to pull. Yeah, and also, her baby was almost just shot. <laughs> but she's like, uh, gives her kid to her husband. It's like, I'm good. I gotta go talk to this assassin real quick. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, that was totally fan service. <laughs> we, have, we, we have to resolve our tension. What do you think our- her husband thought? Their baby was almost <laughs> shot by a rifleman and her, after the danger is done, his wife hands the baby to him and then runs and goes and hugs him. What? <laughs> Oh, Ben, you just ruined that tender ending. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it deserved to be ruined because it was not. You can't ruin something that. It wasn't earned. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't exist. Yeah. Especially if you need chemistry, that's the time you need it. Uh, it, It's not as bad as Tommyknocker's chemistry. That was actually (laughs) repellent. Yeah. But it's probably the, the very next worst. It's pretty bad. And it. Harsh cuts to black. Yep. End of movie. Roll credits. It's the right choice. Because there yeah, is done. Yeah. There is the fallout after that we get in the book. But we but got that with the vision. Yeah. We got the resolution. Mm-hmm. What a weird, weird movie. All right. Uh, before before we get to ratings, does any is there anything we have not talked about or any takes that you want to uh, cover? They completely... Almost completely cut Johnny's mom's subplot. I mean, I don't know how much it could have added, really, but it was kind of disappointing. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and and do our ratings. Uh, Ben, do you want to kick us off? Uh, Sure. I am going to give this uh, a very similar review I gave to the book. It's fine. It's it's perfectly, I believe, as CM kind of alluded to, it is a serviceable movie. Is are there better movies to watch? Yes. Are there worse movies to watch? Yes. This is a movie. Three out of five blue chambray shirts. <laughs> Sam? I also agree that it is a movie. 
it didn't offend me. It wasn't bad. Mm. I don't think the acting was bad, even if it didn't quite hit the marks I was looking for. They did not have any chemistry at all, but they weren't bad actors. I would also give it three out of five blue chambray shirts. I like that it was streamlined. I, I like that it made our hero actually feel like a hero a little bit. The pace is still bad. The chemistry is bad. Some of the acting choices are certainly choices. I uh, I don't think I would ever watch this again. I'm going to give it two out of five blue chambray wow. shirts. Fair. That is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next time where we continue our Patreon selection coverage with Phil Thiessen's pick, Cell. And we will be reading through the chapter, Gaten Academy. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander reminding you, I love you, Johnny. Sam Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Dead Zone Part 3. We hope you enjoyed it. I do have a haiku for you, but first, some housekeeping. If you haven't already, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcast because that helps us out a great deal and we sincerely appreciate it. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio and Twitter at Dairy Public. Check out our website, constantreaders.org, for everything Stephen King and Stephen King adjacent. And follow us on our Etsy shop for additional merchandise. Thank you again to our awesome Patreon supporter, Jared Hazelwood, for picking The Dead Zone. If you would like us to read your favorite book, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash dairypublicradio and check out our tiers to find out how. And here is your haiku. Head-on collision robs Johnny of his present to save the future. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.